Let's get to our number two. Welcome back. Good morning. Good afternoon. I am Jim Rome. Raheem Morris is coming up at 20 past. He had an amazing line today in talking at the NFL Combine. Quote, if we, the Falcons, if we had better quarterback play, I may not be standing here. End of quote. I mean, yeah, you might want to say, duh. What I would say to that is, he's not wrong. He's a tremendous guy and a great coach. But generally, guys don't say that. And I don't think he was saying that in a manner such as, hey, screw you. Hey, you know, you know. Like, he wasn't coming for anybody. He was just stating a pretty obvious fact. When asked about the quarterback play, quote, if we had better quarterback play, I may not be standing here. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but guys generally don't say that, especially really, really good guys. And I don't think that he was saying it in a way or saying it with any malice at all. Just as a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I'm here. So he will be joining us. He's being real. He is joining us. There's a difference between being real and being malicious or having some sort of agenda or calling somebody a bitch boy or saying it's just weirdos being weird, which I also loved. Raheem was just keeping it a buck. Romy, DJ, always shows up. Prepared, insightful, always shares great perspective about NFL trends. Might be on my Mount Rushmore of jungle guests along Muss. Nick in New York. DJ, like I said, nobody better. Not as good as it gets. Make the distinction between as good as it gets and nobody better. There's nobody better than Daniel Jeremiah. You can't find a better guy, and you can't find somebody better prepared, and you can't find somebody better at their job. You can be a really good guy and still have pointed takes. You can have pointed takes without being a hot take artist. He's got the background, he's put in the time, and he's a tremendous dude. Love him. Like every time he says yes to the program, it's a good day. Hey, Rome, we found Mr. Dawkins' comments to be anything but positive, and therefore we will not be dignifying them at all at this time. Regards, the New York Jets. Scott and Crabchester wore Curtis Martin only doing positive interviews. Well played, dude. Way to throw it back. Don't put that on Curtis Martin. That, that goes back to the time where we put in a request to interview a then-active Curtis Martin And the Jets told our bookers, and I quote, Curtis only does positive interviews. Which is to suggest that I was going to put him in a position where it was going to be a negative interview. As if anybody could ever say anything negative about that guy. He was the closest thing to a perfect human being. And I wasn't even in the business of doing, quote, negative interviews. That's where that came from. All right, so let's move on to the next topic really quickly. It's been a minute since the ref show stole the show and was the main story of an NBA game. And I don't mean been a minute in the slang way like, you know, it's been a long time. I mean it literally. It's been like 10 seconds since it happened. It's happened over and over and over again this season. And it happened again last night in New York. Nobody bought tickets to a ref show in New York City last night. They showed up to see the Knicks play the Pistons, and instead, they get a crazy game with a crazy ending, made even crazier by, you guessed it, the ref show. 
Although the Knicks and the Pistons definitely did their part to make the ending of that game pretty whack. Check out this crunch time sequence that ultimately led to the Knicks win. If ever there was a sequence that necessitated a Benny Hill bed, it's this one. Brunson, three-pointer, off the mark, rebound deflected, chased down, saved by Grimes to Fontecchio, knocked away, Hartenstein picks it up, out to DiVincenzo, 10 seconds to go, he throws it away, ball loose, picked up by Brunson, Brunson inside the heart, Hartz banks it in, What an absolute bleep show. I mean, Mike Breen is one of the best to ever do it, and even he had trouble following what was going on. And that's not a knock on him. I mean, nobody could follow what was going on. And you could see that. I mean, you saw Monty Williams' immediate reaction. You saw his immediate reaction to the non-call, and Monty wasn't just furious in the moment. He would stay furious, and he would take that fury with him to the postgame podium. Because in the chaos of that melee sequence at the end of the game, there was a collision near the sideline. Dante DiVincenzo collided with Asar Thompson. And it ultimately led to the Josh Hart and one that ultimately won the next the game. It was a missed call. It was. But according to Monty afterwards, it was more than just a missed call. It was, in his words, quote, an abomination. The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've, we've done it the right way. <clears throat> we've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game, <clears throat> and the guy dove into Asar's legs, and there was a no call. That, that's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game, period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what more can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long, and enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big-time game like that and there be a no-call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called, period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game, and that was not fair. I'm done. I mean... I like Monty a lot. Everybody likes Monty a lot. I respect Monty a lot. Everybody respects Monty a lot. Incredible human being. Great coach. However, that rant was hilarious. And not in a good way. It was hilariously forced. Hilariously desperate. Hilariously awkward. And I get it. The duty is desperate. This team does not get many chances to win. And for the record, he's not even wrong here. It was a foul. It should have been called. You know how I know that? Even the ref show admitted they jacked it up. Quote, That's a foul! Upon postgame review, we determined that Thompson gets to the ball first and then was deprived of the opportunity to gain possession of the ball. Therefore, a loose ball foul should have been whistled on New York's Dante DiVincenzo. End of quote. So there you have it. It was the wrong call. 
Nobody's even debating that, right? However, was it an abomination? My guy, really? Did you see the rest of the play? I would say the entire sequence was an abomination. abomination. I would say your entire season is an abomination. But the missed call? Mm, Let's not get into that. That call in that spot, in the middle of that chaos. I mean, I think even we all understand how the ref show blew that one. Like, that's the one time that I might actually defend the ref show. That's how chaotic that was. Let's put it this way. The ref show has completely whiffed on much easier calls than that one. And if you go check out that sequence on the X right now, I guarantee you won't even notice that foul the first time. You won't even notice it the first time. Abominations generally stand out. They're abominations. That's what makes them an abomination. They're abominable. If you don't see it right away, it's not abominable. And again, as much as I like and admire Monty Williams, he's coaching one of the worst teams in quite some time. So him calling anything as it relates to that team an abomination is an abomination itself. Incredible word right there, abomination. An abomination. It just doesn't apply there. There is no such thing as an abomination on an eight-win team except the eight-win team itself. Now, that is an abomination. And if the team wants to do or wants to know what to do or what more it can do, I would tell them to grab a defensive rebound on occasion. I would also inform them that turning the ball over as much as they do is not a good idea. And I would stop blaming the ref show for how crappy they are, the team, not the ref show. Detroit had like three separate opportunities to put that game away on that one play alone. And yet they blew it over and over again. And then they want to turn around and not only blame the refs, but call it an abomination. An abomination. How bad must it be if I'm defending the refs? Hey, guys, no offense, but maybe this is why you only have eight wins. Let me put it to you another way. It may sound like eight wins is bad. How about you look at it this way? Maybe this is why you're 41 games under 500. 41. You want to talk about an abomination. Your record is the abomination. Your franchise is the abomination. Not the call. Of course, everybody hates the ref show. But I don't think anybody's going to really rally behind Monty, as great a dude as he is. I don't think anybody is going to rally behind him on this being an abomination. abomination. Again, class act of a coach. But I don't think this is going to go down in the archives along with uh, some of the all-time ref show takedowns. Take Darko Ryakovich. He did a much better job like just six weeks ago, and that dude hadn't even coached 60 career games yet. He still hasn't. That's outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in, in the fourth quarter. Like how to play the game. 
I, all, I understand uh, respect for all stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes? Scotty Who Barnes, all star caliber player in this league, he goes every Scotty single Barnes. time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How's that possible? How are you going to explain that, that to me? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And this is not happening first time for us. Scotty Barnes is going to be all Scotty Scott. Barnes is be the face of this league. And what, what's happening over here during whole season, I've been holding you back. It's a complete crap. So much more effective. Number one, top to bottom, so much better. But you know what's better than calling something an abomination? Calling something a complete crap. It's a complete crap. That is so good. Monty, let me ask you this. Hypothetically, let's say that the refs not only got that call right. Let's say they give you all the calls. Every call possible. Like you've got five LeBrons, or in this case, Scotty Barnes. You've got five LeBrons on the floor for every play. You lead the league in free throws. You get every single charge, every single block. So say you get all those calls. So instead of eight wins, you have what? 11? Hell, because I like you so much, I'll give you 12. Then you're still looking up at the rest of the league, except for Jordan Poole's Wizards and Pop Spurs, who couldn't give a damn about winning. Unfortunately... Your reasonable complaint is falling on the deafest of deaf ears. Even the commissioner can't hear it with his set. An abomination. And believe me, that dude hears everything. When we come back, Raheem Morris joins us. So I'm going to get out right now. This year... Dell Technologies wants to help you do amazing things with their best tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, powered by Intel Core processors and more. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories when you shop online at dell.com deals. You will have access to leading-edge technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com deals. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Absolutely no rest for the weary. This is why teams that play deep into the postseason don't get much time off at all. We're already on to the combine. So imagine you're playing deep into the postseason, which is the goal. You want to have a short offseason. But if you play in the conference championship game or you play in the Super Bowl, you're already on to the combine. We had Daniel Jeremiah on, and he was awesome as always. We are efforting Raheem Morris, the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And I will try and run him down as soon as I possibly can. Once again, if you're joining us late, I am not in tomorrow or Thursday, but I will be back on Friday. Reason for that, a couple of days of business on the road. They are not vacation days. They are not off days. I'm working, but I'm working outside the studio. So business is business. Business is good. Business is exciting. We are working on things. I need to go work on them. And sometimes they take me away from the show. 
Telephone number is, use this right now. I already qualified somebody. I already gave out a golden ticket this morning, which was pretty amazing given that there were no phone calls. I gave a golden ticket to somebody who did not call. It was Deion Dawkins for that incredible takedown of the Jets. In fact, Alvin, I don't mind resetting that one more time. He appeared on Vlad TV, and he appeared shirtless as the OG that he is and was asked about the Jets. And he kept it a buck now. Weirdos being weird. <laughs> Weirdos being weird. You know, I don't even want to get a man no credit talking about him, you know. But number 72. Michael Clements. Michael Clements. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch boy. Um, <laughs> bitch boy. You know, I'm going to just keep it a buck. I hate them. All of them, bro. They are awesome. Like, when it comes to sports, right, there's people that play the sport because they love the sport. And then there's people that play the sport just to try to be cool. I feel like they play the sport to try to be cool. Like, those are a bunch of dudes that just want to take pictures on Instagram. <laughs> like, that's whack. Like, I play this because I'll die by it. You know, if the Jets want to say, man, that's just a big man doing what he does, chasing pub. All right. It worked. An incredible interview, an incredible exchange, at least that part of it. I'm just going to keep it a buck. I hate those guys. All of them. He actually doesn't hate all of them. He singled out a couple of them that he actually respected, kind of. One player and one assistant coach, to be fair. But he did say nice things about those two dudes. But that he's just taking these guys down. Bam, bam, bam. And But then again, who doesn't love Quinn and Williams? He goes, no, that guy, that, I like that guy. I respect that guy. I know, big fella. We all like Quinn and Williams. Nobody doesn't like and respect and admire that guy in his game. I mean, he had to acknowledge that, right? You can't hate that guy. But he hates the rest of them. So we hit on that in our number one. It, here's the thing. When you do a radio program, you understand that the audience comes and it goes and everybody will tell you reset, reset, reset. They might have missed it. You should reset it in hour number two. My thing has always been create enough content and cover enough things that you're not redundant and you're not repetitive. However, it's actually a fair criticism, at least in that regard. That was such gold. That was so good. You have to reset that. I mean, I could justifiably reset that at the top of hour number three. I could justifiably reset that every single segment. You just don't hear content like that or sound like that very often, even if you want to accuse him of chasing pub. Why would that be so out of line? Everybody's doing it. I know that's normally a lame thing to say. Everybody's doing it, but everybody's doing it. Creating content, chasing pub, getting people to look at you, expand your brand, expand your social media. Create interest. Create some drama. Get some beef. I'm the one that's going to punch you in your face. I'm the one that's going to be about whatever we about. I'm the one that's going to kick that door down. I'm the one that's going to be the first one to shoot. In this football world, that's me, right? I'm the good guy, but I'm also the demon. Simple as that. You know why I'm going to defend that? Because that big, that big fella ain't hard to find. And he will be right there in the trenches again next year. He's not hiding from that. So when he says something like, I'm the guy who's going to punch you in the face, he won't be hard to find. 
If you have any issue with him, he's not hard to find. Bella B is in here already. She's changing up. Hi, Jim. Are you looking forward to that infamous hotel cheeseburger while hustling in New York? Bella B in Calgary. You know what? It's a fair question. Not staying in that hotel, Bella. That hotel was famously used by CBS. I am not going on CBS business. I am, however, staying in, and I haven't done it in years, but I am staying in what I consider to be one of the nicest hotels I have ever stayed in anywhere in the world. I have not been there in a while. I can tell you how long it's been. I don't want to get into it because you'll know what hotel it is. Not that many of you care. Bella does. But I can tell you the last time I stayed in that hotel. And it, I don't know. I can't wait to see if it has the same feeling that it did. I don't even care where I stay, honestly. I'm there to do a job. I'm there to take care of some business. It does not matter. My guy KTK said, you know what would be nice? That. So the company put me up in that. I don't know about their cheeseburger. I know this too. It doesn't set up time-wise. I don't think it's in anybody's best interest. I'm not saying that I'm going to go all nutrition on your ass. But I don't think that my ordering that cheeseburger, even if they did, did get it to me, I don't think me ordering it and slamming it at 1.30 in the morning is a very good idea. That might not be good for the gut health or the look. I'm trying to maintain. I'm trying to improve both the gut health and the look. But I will say... I will say, the cheeseburger in question, which I ordered every single year while doing the NFL Today on CBS, was one of the best hamburgers I have ever had in my life. And it never failed. Like, did you see me post some pictures from Newport Beach over the weekend? DJ and I went to a restaurant in Newport Beach, and I ordered a Wagyu cheeseburger. Not half the burger that that hotel cheeseburger, no offense, restaurant in question, but not half as good as that cheeseburger that I would get from a hotel room service in New York. No, it did, I didn't even get it. Tommy's like, juicy as hell though, right? I'm like, nah, nah. Like, like the dry age in Vegas that one time was not. No, no, no. I mean, you see Wagyu cheeseburger and you think, Wow. Jungle Caramel, 65 writes, Snags, off Thursday. Can we get a beef segment on Friday? Gordon in Citrus Heights wore Jungle Caramel. I'm going to leave that up to Tommy, the EP. If Tommy says it's cool, it's cool with me. Jungle Caramel. Wow, dude. Two guys in a row asked that same question. You, Man, you love your beef segment, don't you? Let's do it. Let's do it Friday. <laughs> Love to see it. Let's do it Friday. Ryan Cathy 12, quote, is it me or is Monty Williams the nicest guy ever? Even when he's mad, he seems nice. His smack was the worst I've heard since whatever the last thing your buddy Eric in Orlando said. No, it's true. 
an abomination. Like, like Monty, that was Monty lashing out. That was an enraged Monty. He doesn't seem like he has the enraged gene. He so badly wanted to go to battle for his team. He so badly wanted to wage war on behalf of his team against the ref show. And he still comes off as like so congenial. Because he is. He's such a good dude. But like I said, abomination, as good of a word as that is, it does not apply to that. Nobody's sitting back and going, yeah, man. Man, I feel badly. That was such an abomination. It's ridiculous and we're tired of it. It, It's kind of hilarious. It just sounds kind of forced. My man, I think that it's the losing that you're tired of and not the ref show being, quote, out to get you. We just want a fair game called. Would it matter if you did get a fair game called? That's the problem. But the other issue is, the other issue is, they had a winnable game. And that is so rare for that team. So that's why he's lashing out. All right, what I think I'll do, what I think I'll do is take a short timeout. You got to take your chances, right? I know if I take a timeout right this second, 30 seconds from right now, my man Raheem will call. Ah, cancel that break. I called that. So, Instead of doing that break, why don't we find the coach? I'm efforting that right now. I see the phone ringing. Hey, listen, you get a guy like that, you take him when he comes. You get an NFL head coach, you take that coach when he comes. Especially when the clock is flexible. On the other side of that, we may or may not have a sports update. We will have time for your phone calls and your reaction. And my... My thoughts on Anthony Kim finally showing up, and he's going to play, apparently. All right, so we are joined right now by the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He previously worked as Falcons assistant coach from 2015 to 2020. He served as their interim head coach in 2020. He was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks for three years from 09 through 2011. He served as the Rams D coordinator for the last three years. We are joined by Raheem Morris. Raheem, it is awesome to talk to you. I appreciate you making time. How are you doing, Raheem? Hey, Jim Rowe, I'm doing great, man. What a great introduction, man. Uh, you're so kind to bring me on that way. Uh, you didn't mention I was a two-time Super Bowl champion. My man, you are a two-time Super Bowl champion as well. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You are not wrong, Coach. You are not wrong. Listen, it is so great to have you. It is so great to be corrected by you, and it's so great to have you. Listen, you know the saying, stay ready so there's no need to get ready. But how do you stay ready for all that comes with being hired as a head coach near the end of January? You get that gig. You hire your staff. You meet your players. You get ready for the combine and free agency. How do you stay ready for all that, and what's it been like? Jim, man, I think it's, uh, it's, I'm one of the few people that I can say they had been getting ready for this for the last um, 15 or so years um, since I uh, wasn't the head coach of Tampa anymore and just going through the process of being able to be with people and help other people um, that I've been able to work under or with or for. Um, you know, going all the way back, like you mentioned, working for Dan Quinn and helping him in his first opportunity in Atlanta uh, was a, a significant chance for me to grow and become a different person um, no differently working with offense, defense, and special teams at Atlanta, being able to do all those different things and those walk of life 
no different when I was at Washington after my opportunity with Tampa of getting a chance to go be around a guy like Mike Shanahan and really grow from his staff, his people, his leadership skills, the strong growth and their and everything that's been going on, and then being fortunate enough to go out to L.A. and really get a whole different walk of life, um, be it to be a part of the whole organization and watch those guys grow and to get ready to make me ready for this next opportunity here in Atlanta. And I think that gives me just the competitive urgency that you need in order to be ready for those moments. Raheem Morris bringing the energy. You know, it's amazing when you think back on it. You were just 32. There might be something of a youth movement right now, but back in 09, you were just 32 when you were named head coach, and you just mentioned your growth. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. 13 years later, how different are you as both a coach and a person overall than you were then? No, it's so much different, man. When you're just talking about your family life, um, where you are from a personal development, where you are from a football development, um, where you are from just a, um, overall uh, taking advantage of the opportunity where you're at and where you are, uh, being where your feet are, just being calm and patient, um, having the ability not to get bitter but to learn every single moment and every step that you've taken. I think it's just all the things that have really helped me um, throughout the process. And I think um, it was a little frustrating for other people um, that I didn't get opportunities faster, but I never took it that way. I always took it as more opportunities to develop and grow and learn. And I felt like everything was a lesson and everything was teaching me for this moment, right? Because I knew at some point it would happen or I really felt confident that it would happen. And when it did, I wasn't shocked. Um, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not bitter. I didn't go through that stage of, of, um, of, of disappointment that most people do. And I think that's just the genuine attitude that I chose to take in each and every job that I had. Raheem, this is amazing. Like, you're both asking and answering the questions. You just answered, like, four questions I was going to ask you. That's how good you are at this. I was going to say, like, you made the point, like, I never got bitter. There might have been some people around me who were getting frustrated, but I never got bitter. Did you – look, NFL people know, right? People have always raved about you, so maybe deep down you knew, but were there never moments? That's a long time, 13 years. Did you never once think, hey, man, what if I don't get another opportunity? No, I don't think you think about getting an opportunity. I think if you do a really good job at the jobs you currently have, it provides you chances to get the next opportunity. And, you know, like, you never take that for granted that you're going to get that next opportunity, but you're certainly preparing for it as if you do, right? There's only um, 32 of these jobs. And really, there's only 32 of every job that's in the National Football League. So any one of these jobs in the National Football League and whatever, any sports or whatever you want to look at, is a privilege to be a part of. So, like, for me... I, I, I took that in the everyday mentality, attitude, culture, building, uh, whatever it was um, that I wanted to make sure that I was able to contribute to and, and be able to walk away from that stuff, be able to, able to steal great information or to make sure I can be able to give some great information so we can move forward. Raheem Morris joining me for a few more moments. Obviously, one of the big questions is what to do a quarterback. How are you approaching that? Like, where do you think your next quarterback is coming from? Do you have him already or probably not? You know, um, it's the elephant in the room in Atlanta, right? Who's going to be our next quarterback? And obviously the ways we're going to be able to go about it is the ways we've been saying the whole time, right? It's either going to be free agency, there's going to be something that goes down within the college draft, or we're going to have a chance to trade for someone, right? And those are your major avenues of being given. Now, what do we have, right? We have money to be able to go buy a quarterback. We have draft capital to be able to go pick one and potentially move up or back or stay put in order to make those things happen. And you still got those trade markets because people want to do things um, in trade, right? So, like, the collaboration between myself, Terry, and this plethora of quarterback committee that I put together on our staff, uh, we'll go through that. And we'll have that tedious, timely period um, that we can go through these moments and find a way 
um, to get the best person for us to win championships. All right, so really quickly, before I let you go, two really, really quick things. I had a conversation with Sean Payton in Vegas leading up to the Super Bowl. Obviously, he's got his own situation. You have yours. But let me ask you the same thing I asked him. What are you looking for in a quarterback? You know, when you're talking about the quarterback position, we all are going to act like uh, we have more insight than we really do. You know, we're all looking for decision makers. We're all looking for guys that can go out there and execute the game plan. We're all looking for guys that can go out and really um, lead their team and go out there and win football games, right? So that's the main thing. That's the, those are the main things. We all have different profiles of what they look like, um, what they can feel like, what they can be like. But you better use your resources and people around you. And that's why we've hired T.J. Yates. That's why we've hired Zach Robinson. That's why we hired D.J. Williams. That's why we've hired K.J. Black, Chandler Whitmire, Ken Zampezi. A bunch of guys that have been around this league for a long time that are going to have opinions on all these guys and allow our decision makers to make the decisions that we want to bring in. Raheem, one last thought. You mentioned Terry. I want to ask you about that. I want to follow up and I'll let you go. You think about those great relationships. Like you think about, you were with the Rams, so you know. You think about Sean McVay and Les Snead. You think about the 49ers. You think about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. What about you and Terry Fontenot? How critical is that connection? And how would you describe it? You know, I, I can only I can only talk about the one that I was around most recently and Les Need and Sean McVay and how their relationship just permeates throughout the building. You know, those two and their communication and how it works across our, our whole building is what I would love to have here in Atlanta. I want everybody to know how connected we are so that makes the whole building more connected. That makes us more connected with our owner. That makes us connected with the bottom person in the building to the top person in the building. Whoever those people are and however you want to flip it. But if we can get those type of connections in our building and allow us to communicate at the highest level, that'll give us the best chance to have a competitive team uh, every single week. He is the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He is a two-time Super Bowl champ. He is Raheem Morris. Raheem, I appreciate you so much, man. Congrats. Great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking time, Coach. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Jim. That was not correcting you, man. That was just me getting a chance to gloat with my guy. Oh, dude, you're the best. I absolutely deserve to be corrected, man. You should. Raheem Morris is the best. God, I love that energy. So good. So, so, so good. Great hire. You see, and to those asking, what about the hood? What about the hood? Raheem Morris, love that energy. Falcons fan, reaction. NFL fan, reaction. Hit me up. That was worth the wait. All right, Alvin, so are we going to take a sports update here? From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. This year, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select Alienware gaming tech. Like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Save right now at Alienware.com slash deals. Let me tell you really quickly why I think that Raheem Morris got that job and Bill Belichick did. Number of reasons. One, energy. Crazy energy. Number two, I think what was key, well, number two, everybody in the NFL loves Raheem. Everybody. Everybody loves his acumen. Everybody loves his ability to lead. Everybody loves his energy. Everywhere he's been, he's beloved. Beloved. 
On top of that, you've got that energy and, hey, listen, he's been in that building. They know him. They love him. He's been in that building. He knows them. I mean, it was such a good fit top to bottom. And did I mention energy? What would you rather have? Who do you think they're going to respond better to? That guy with that energy or Ron of Cincinnati? Uh, I mean, you can imagine Raheem. Raheem already knew those he was interviewing with, I'm sure. But imagine like Bill Belichick showing up on the yacht to talk to Arthur Blank. Yeah, hey, uh, hey, Art. uh, First things first. I'm interviewing you, and you're not interviewing me. Got that? Second, secondly, the yacht we're on right now, it's mine. Hand over the keys. You pay for the staff. I drive the boat. Number three, the jet. I want that, too. Uh, we're, I thought we were having a conversation here, Bill. No, we're having a negotiation. The yacht is mine. The jet is mine. Hey, and that thing, that thing where you made all your money, that, that giant box, Home Depot, that's mine, too. This is no longer a negotiation. These are my demands. You want me to come in here? You want me to come in here? Give me the yacht. Give me the jet. Give me the Home Depot. Give me complete control. And the chopper. I need the chopper. I want the chopper. Because I don't always want to use the jet. Sometimes I just have, I feel like a chopper. My Saturday, my Saturday ride. Anything else? No, 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 and I'm good, Artie. No, I'm good. I just want the yacht, the jet, the chopper, and the Home Depot. And complete control. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Get the hell off my yacht. I'm hiring Raheem. They made the right choice. They made the right choice. Hey, Rome, I don't know. Maybe you wait and see. No, I already know. I've seen and heard enough to know they made the right choice. It's Tommy. So when Raheem called, let me ask you this. Did... Was there a PR person? Well, how did that call go? No, yeah, and that's how any I want call the exchange. How did it go? NFL coach is a PR person calls first and waits, and usually you don't say anything to the head coach. Maybe you say a couple words just to make sure he's there and the line's fine. Now, he called himself, introduced himself to me, asked who he was speaking with, said it's great back to that meet up, back you. Back that up, back that up. He, he asked who he was speaking that's with. That's right. Asked who he was speaking with. He, he, said, he didn't go, put me through to Rome. No, he did not. And he said, great to meet you, Tom, and thank you for the opportunity on the show today. Incredible. Right? And genuine and authentic, and you know he meant it. It's already impressive before he even hit the air. It was already one of the better interviews we've ever had before I spoke to him. Before he, quote, corrected me. Clone, stop with that. Stop saying, hey, Alvin, why didn't you run him? He corrected the host. Even Alvin knows that would have been jacked up. And you know why? Per usual, he was right. All right, that's actually good, Tom. Thanks. That's that's really interesting. You... You don't get that many opportunities to speak to an active NFL head coach. And generally when you do, it, it's true. They're multitasking. They're not going to waste time waiting. Their time is precious. So if you're not ready right when they're ready, they're going to have a PR person wait for them. And then when it's time, they pass the phone. Raheem's like, this is Raheem Morris. Who am I speaking with? Nice to meet you. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, are you kidding? Too good to be true. Generally, when something seems too good to be true, it is not with this guy. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Central PA, Keith. Good to have you, Keith. How are you? I'm wonderful, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'll be quick. That interview was awesome. I was on my drive home, and you were pumping it up. It's a shame it was so short because I could have listened to that all day long. But uh, what I wanted to say, Jim, is I know you grew up in a family business, 
and it didn't work out. My story is the same. But listening to him talk about it doesn't matter what the task is. I'm going to do it the best that I can, whether people are watching, people are not. That's the same values my father taught me when I was in his business, and now I've gone off to do my own stuff. But uh, I, I just thought it was a great interview, Jim. Just wanted to thank you for it, and I'm out. Appreciate you, dude. Thank you very much. Hey, here's the thing. You just said, hey, Jim, like you, I was in a family business that didn't work out. And that's not accurate. The family business worked out great for my parents. It just didn't work out great for me. There was nothing wrong with the family business other than I sucked at it and they fired me. No, the family business worked out just fine. No, but I, I get your point. No, what Raheem said was I didn't get bitter. I had to wait 13 years, but I didn't, quote, have to wait. Everything was an experience, a learning experience. I grew from every experience. I was exactly where my feet were, and I never doubted that I would get another opportunity. It just wasn't up to me or for me to say when that opportunity was coming, but if I took care of my business wherever I was and did the best work I could and did the best job I could, I would get that opportunity. And he did. Super upbeat, super positive. That's an elite mindset and an elite approach right there. Elite leader, motivator, strategist, winner, hell of a coach. Hour number three, when we come back. 